You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour, Madison Shipman, Sportsnet Blue Jays analyst, ESPN softball analyst, will join us. Talk about those great pitching Blue Jays who can't hit but still got a one nothing win last night thanks to that incredible 13-pitch at-bat from George Springer in the top of the first inning where he finally hit a dinger his first in 23 games. Blue Jays win one nothing first time in franchise history. They lose a game one nothing, and then they win a game one nothing. They always say, Matty Rose, every time you go to a baseball game, you'll, never, you'll see something you've never seen before. <laughs> Is that is that actually a is that a That's saying? A thing. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Okay. Something always quirky happens in baseball. Oh. Hmm. Okay. I didn't know I had yeah. to be prepared for that. That's good yep. to know. Uh at the top of the next hour, uh our man Nick Kiprios, uh the host of uh, Real Kipper and Born over on Sportsnet five ninety the fan. We'll get his thoughts on Martin Jones signing with the Leafs. Get his thoughts on the Eric Carlson deal. Apparently, Kyle Dubas has been super horny for Eric Carlson for years. We'll get his we'll get his take on that. And uh, is Austin Matthews really going into camp without a deal? Like that's going to happen, and they want that distraction. It's going to be one of those things where Matthews going to be like, "I'm going to talk about this now, and then I'm not going to talk about it the rest of the time." Yeah, exactly. It's, they're, they're, ah, no distraction. We're uh, it won't be a problem. Yeah, no worries. It, you Toronto media won't ask me about it, right? You guys promise? Okay, good. Yeah. Pinky promise? Yeah, it looks like your fingers are crossed, but okay, it's fine, I guess. Yeah, one, of, one of the best players in the world is playing his last year on an expiring deal. No, no worries. Don't worry about it. Like, the thing here is Elliot Friedman, and, and that's the one guy I feel is the one dude I always go to and I trust more than anybody, has always felt that there's going to be a three-, four-, five-year deal here for Austin Matthews and that it's essentially been discussed in perpetuity i guess and it just has to kind of get down to the brass tacks and maybe they just really want to enjoy their summer big big cottage guys out there you know getting their golf game going that type of thing like it's a little bit different than here with elias lindholm uh i was listening to the boys on the afternoon show talking yesterday it was julian and logan and they were kind of like hey elias lindholm's silence kind of speaks for itself and i think that's wrong here because this is one of those situations where if you're Elias, you're going, okay, how different is this going to be? Like you changed all the coaching staff. You did exactly what we wanted. How different is it going to be? And I understand if he wants to come in and and find out. Austin Matthews, Mm -hmm. a little bit different. You know what that team is like. They haven't made that many changes. They've essentially just brought in help for you. Like on the roster, I would say that they've improved their forward group. The coach hasn't changed. The general manager has, but at the same time, I don't know if that's one of those things that you look at and say, well, if he's here, then I then I can't sign long-term, especially when it is someone who's extremely competent at the job, like Brad Living. So yeah. I, I, the Austin Matthews one, I think that there's a little bit more pressure on and a little bit more timing that has to kind of be looked at here. But I also feel like it's one of those things that is just going to get done and just the laissez-faire attitude of Austin Matthews is just kind of this this is part of it. I don't think he's worried about it. I think he's just enjoying his summer. That would be my assumption. 
Um, the only thing that that it's it's deal his deal kicks in next year. Like it doesn't count against the cap this year. You have lots of time to figure it out, and you know what the guy's going to get and what it is. I and just, he's not going to be a trade deadline guy, anyways. There's no way you're bringing that, that that number in, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's not like oh we have to trade him or not. like you've got essentially one option here. Unless he's like, oh, I'm going to see how things go. Yeah. But I doubt that's going to happen. Yeah. It it feels like he's going to be a leaf for at least yeah. a handful more years. I don't think I would be stunned, stunned if he signed for long term, six, seven, or eight. That would surprise me. Um, What's been the most annoying story in hockey probably in the last, I don't know. I've been thinking about this, and I don't 10, know what. 15, 20 years. Um. Video review? Oh, God. 10, 15, 20 years, the salary The NHL still not being in the echelon of top sports in North America? Yeah, but that's fine. How how about I throw this one your way? How about a new arena for the Coyotes? Well, that too. Oh, God. (laughs) Here we go. According to Arizona Sports, the Coyotes have recently signed a letter of intent in the hopes of securing a 41-acre lot in Mesa. All right. Which is 15 minutes east of the building the Coyotes currently call home, where a new arena could potentially be built. While it appears the most attractive option for a plan that would tentatively see them relocate to a new venue by the start of the 26-27 campaign, the outlet reports that the team is also eyeing properties in Phoenix and Scottsdale in hopes of having multiple paths to pursue if others ultimately fall through. Once this story just will not die. It's the Rasputin of NHL stories. <laughs> that song came on on my ride <laughs> Friday, and I I was yeah. Try out. not to oh. try not to like move your tap your foot to that yeah, song. I dare, dead inside if you I don't dare you. Um, yeah, like here's the thing. I lost a lot of interest in this story when it was dis- it was decided that the Coyotes were not going to build their stadium on a garbage dump. I I, I thought that was good for jokes. I was excited mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. And now that they're not building it on the dump, mm-hmm. I don't care. You either play now, in Arizona or you go to Houston, but make a damn choice, please. Um, for all of you hardcore listeners to the big show, uh, and I'm talking to you, Wedley and Bridalwood, um, you, you're well aware that uh, Eric Francis and I have a state dinner bet. Yes. On which arena gets built first, the one in Calgary, fingers crossed, or the one for the Coyotes. He's on the side of the Coyotes, I said, in the beautiful city of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. 2026? Will the Flames have an arena by 2026? I don't think so. It's the almost the end of 2023. I think the uh, almost the end. Stop that. God, why do people keep doing this around me? I had this yesterday. Four months after August. Yeah, that's like <laughs> two-thirds. Stop. That's enough out of you. It's still the summer. Gosh. What the hell's going on? Uh, I think the 26th. As far as you know, Patrick, almost Christmas oh, time. Hey. Let's go. Hell yeah. yeah. Hey, I, World you, Juniors. You hear Easter soon? Yeah. Goodness. Um, Time's fast. Yeah, oh boy, it flies when you're having fun. Mm. But what is time, Patrick? Ah, anyway, it's a fake construct created by society to wear me down. Anyways, uh, yeah, looking forward to the next building in Arizona. 
Yeah. Mesa, maybe. I think the 26-27 season is kind of the one we were talking about, wasn't it? Because this upcoming the, one is going to be, what, 23-24, 24-25, 25-26? Yeah. yeah, 27-28. That feels like what the team is targeting for their move-in. That's what I think Francis had told us. When it takes about three years to build these right things? Right after the election was no, done? No, I don't think it takes that long, Patrick. They're um, quicker now. We get a long winter here. Yeah, the thing is the winters suck, and you have to get a lot of this stuff it's done even, in the summer. It's even longer than it is out east. Yeah, but you know what? I, I did see the building beside mine just spring up. Yeah, that's an apartment building. Like the BMO center is a much more kind of a needed thing. Act, well, we need co- well, we need both, but we did need no, convention but, center space. No, but my point is, it's a comparable project to yeah. how big the BMO. Yeah, is yeah, I've fair, fair, okay. and the construction yeah. time, okay. and that has not popped up. New no. that has been going yeah. for quite some time. That'll be finished next spring, and it's looking very good. Yeah, I'm very excited for the new BMO, but mm-hmm. that's a more realistic timeline for construction. And that was just a Reno. They didn't mm-hmm. even have to do the frame for that one. Well, they added on a whole extra chunk yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they 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 so, did do an, yeah. an expansion yeah. more than a renovation. An expansion, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it always weirds me out when people say BMO. Isn't it BMO? It's BMO. I've always said BMO. Uh, I don't. You want to call it the Bank of Montreal Center? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, let's call it that. <laughs> um. So the Coyotes hopefully building a new arena. I still, again, I'm. I'm totally on the side that we'll have a new arena here in Calgary before the Coyotes ever get one. For the love of God, I hope so. That's actually the case. Because um, it's time. Are we going to hear? I I feel like we should get an update on this. Well, we're, council's not meeting till the till uh, September, so that's probably when we'll get a next city okay, update. Fine. But again, from the provincial government, it's been crickets. It's funny she drops that three weeks ahead of an election and then talks about nothing since. Well, well, okay, again, as as Maddie and I have discussed numerous times, we are the the political fulcrum. Yes. That's very this is where you come for your political we had, fulcrum news. We even did entertainment today. We got a little bit of everything for you guys here. Yeah, we had uh we had the premier on our program and she kinda said, Hey, you elect us. <laughs> You're kind of getting in a new arena, paraphrasing, but that was kind of the sense we got. I think that's a fair paraphrase. Yeah. So seems right from her. Okay. Um, we also talked to Mayor Gondek, um, and I said, "Hey, you know, three years. Oh, we'll have a new arena by then." Okay. The city is just a pawn in all of this. Okay. Oh. Let's get it done. All right. Um, we have an incredible giveaway today. Um, it's the Shaw Charity Classic VIP giveaway. This includes two honorary pa- observer passes, valid for one round of the tournament, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Two Rogers Clubhouse and Skybox passes, valid for one round of the tournament, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This thing's worth three grand. <laughs> like how? You can win, and we're doing it in the afternoon too. Yep. Whoa! It's incredible. Whoa! It's an incredible prize. 960, name and location on the text line. I also think with a prize that's valued such dollar amount, you should have to call in, too, in the 830 second. Oh, wow. We haven't done that in a while. We're laying down the gauntlet. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, I want to make it difficult to win these tickets because they're awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, usually when we have a text idea, I'm the one who throws it out there and then... Maddie and Patrick have input, but it's generally what I want to do. So, are you guys actually 
came up with a good topic that I actually thought about, and I go, this could be fun. Mm. So why don't you, what was that, Matthew. Was that praise? Is that the closest thing to praise we're going to get around mm. here? Felt like oh, and it. by the way, intern Ben with his Women's World Cup report later on in the show, too. Yeah, don't forget it. That's going to be the highlight of the program. Um, why don't you uh, give us the genesis of today's text topic before we unleash it on the listeners? Okay, the genesis of today's text topic. Oh, man, I don't have the gentleman's name in front of me. But there is a offensive lineman uh, who I got is right a freshman at TCU. Mm-hmm. What is his name? His name is uh, Brion Ramsey Brooks. Yes. Uh, Brion uh, weighs in at a tidy six foot five, four hundred and fifty five pounds. He'd make Big John boy. Bender look small. Yes, to an extent. He's not as tall as Bender, but he mm. is bigger in the sense yes. of the word. Um, girthier <laughs> you watch videos of this guy and he's doing a lot of stuff at guard which makes sense because i don't know if the the foot mechanics are going to be oh, there he doesn't right have now. that pass pro no but boy <laughs> can he run stop or run block my goodness um but we were talking about it off air yesterday uh with gvp and we said like what is an animal that weighs 450 pounds and sure enough a silverback gorilla weighs <laughs> 430 okay. pounds on average. So uh, the text topic today at 960-960, name and location. Also, we're going to open up the phone lines at 830. Uh, which animal makes the best offensive lineman and why? <laughs> this is so stupid. That's why I like it. <laughs> this is right up our alley. <laughs> this is like, this is, stuff like this is my wheelhouse because mm. this is so dumb. Mm-hmm. Which animal? makes the best offensive lineman, and why. You have to give us the reasoning why, because we're giving away a VIP package worth three grand. you got to work for this mm-hmm. one. 960, 960, name and location. Uh, let's go around the room. Let's start with Matthew first, and then Patrick. And you know what? Let's even mix in GVP. Maybe intern Ben. What the hell? <laughs> uh, I like giving the intern some airtime. Um, what the hell? Uh, Matthew, which animal makes the best offensive lineman? For me, I've always kind of felt like it would be a bear. I think that the okay. that the uh, the size is obviously a factor. Uh, the ability to go on two legs. I don't know what their you know backpedal ability to get back and and because I'm imagining him playing a little bit of tackle. You know, you got to be out on the outside stopping some of those big DNs, and and the claws would be a really big deterrent. Um, that and the gnashing teeth, I assume, would be a big deterrent. And bears are big. Grizzly bears? Grizzlies can stand eight feet tall. Yeah, they can stand eight feet tall, like Patty said. And they're pretty quick. They're fast. Mm-hmm. You want to pull that guard? Go left or pull that tackle. Go left oh, just side. The, the hand movements that they can do with the guy. Oh, they yeah, just like the little and, slap down. Oh, the, like the slaps, the the shoulders yeah. right into the, the clubs right into the side of the head. Like, yeah, my yeah. god. Yeah, I'm going with the yep. grizzly bear off the top here. Yeah, grizzly would have been mine, but just to change it up differently. Uh, Polar bear? No, you know what? Uh, an a rhinoceros. Mm. Or a hippo. A hippos are very angry. Hippos can Patrick, be, yeah. pick one Damn for it. the love of God. Ah, oh, I hate ah. hippos. Hippo. Terrifying. Hippo would be the would be my uh, offensive lineman there. Uh, those teeth on them, they're angry. You get them in his in his mm-hmm. neck of the woods there, nobody's getting by him. Okay. Give, me that, give me that hippo. All right, hold on. Let me write these down. Matt, bear, 
All five of our picks could pick uh, could make an offensive line. Yeah, there you Patrick go. Patrick Hippo. Okay, GVP, what do you got? I'd go with the silverback. He's your center. Yeah. Uh, you know, little both, both of the gorilla. animals they picked aren't bipedal. So I think, you know, my guy's a little bit more <laughs> agile That's as well fair. as he's, uh, you know, super strong. One of the strongest animals, pound for pound. I'm taking a silverback gorilla. Grizzly can be bipedal. I, Not I just very love well. People, you try to knock just, him down on hind legs. <laughs> uh, text line's blowing up with this now. How Hell yeah, that's all it takes. Um, I just love uh, silverback gorilla. Like I know what a silverback gorilla is, just gorilla. But anyway, that's fine. No silverback. What? what do you different. mean? Silverback is a notable type of gorilla. They're the most that famous one. The most famous gorilla for sure. What is he King Kong? What are you guys talking about here? Uh, what yes. famous gorilla? King, King Kong is essentially what a silverback would yeah, look like. The big one. Okay, fine. In my face, then. Yeah. Get your gorilla knowledge up. Come on. Yeah, no kidding. Well, there's the Eastern uh, Gorilla and then the Western Gorilla. Mm. Okay. Intern Ben, what do you got? Uh, I promised I didn't steal this from Patrick, and I thought of it before he said it, but I got to go Rhino for me. I <laughs> no, think, I picked actually. Hippo. You got Rhino. Yeah, you were mentioning Rhino, yeah. though, so I just want to put that out. But, um, yeah, I think Rhino because I think the horn's at the front, and it's already like a massive mm. animal just... Being mm-hmm. able to just kind of take the D lineman down, maybe a little bit. I think that's fair. He's got to wear a helmet, though. A lot of safari here. Okay, that horn's still coming um, through that face mask. Yeah, I the don't same know. way I like that, that a kicker wears a helmet. I like that, Ben. <laughs> I like that uh, you all went for size. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And I thought about this, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going for more intimidation. Oh. I I think all of our creatures are pretty intimidating, but I'm interested to hear what you say. Um, what if you're standing there trying to sack a quarterback and what's staring at you right in front? No helmet, no equipment, no nothing. The mother bleeping king of the jungle, a lion yeah, that's just staring at you. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how much I'm going to want to rush the quarterback. That's what I mean. I think you're probably just on sheer soon. intimidation and the roar of a lion. Katy Perry even wrote about it. Yeah, she really did. She... The king of the jungle, the lion, would be my offensive lineman. Because there's no way you're even coming close to that. He would just look at you and just smirk at you as yeah. he tried even to th- attempt. And then probably rip your face off with one false swoop of the paw. This might just be me, but I think the lion would probably be better suited to being on the other side of the ball. You think more of a pass rusher, an I edge think rusher, more outside linebacker, yeah. edge rusher, something along those lines. I think that, that I'm thinking five lions in front of a quarterback. <laughs> Incredible! Ah! Forget the three lions of the English soccer team. Yeah, uh, Patrick, the five totally, lions yeah. of the of George Russick's <laughs> offensive line. <laughs> lions, the mother bleeping king of the jungle. He's By a the true way, Detroit Lions. Yeah, no, exactly. I had stats about lions here. Hang on one sec. There's oh, you ones. did? Hey, did you know that they, uh, you know, they get spots and then they lose them? Oh, cool. Lions do. Yeah, neat. Hmm. I didn't know that. And uh, other lions judge other lions based on their mane. Well, yeah that that one makes sense. Um, most lions live in Africa, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, young male young male lions get kicked out of their pride by older males when they reach sexual maturity at about two years old. Yeah, yeah you gotta go find your own way now, bud. Yeah, well, that's because the, uh, I, b- I believe the king of the pack doesn't do a whole lot of sharing. No, he doesn't. And this is badass. 
When a male lion takes over a pride, it can kill all the lion cubs to bring the pride's females into heat again. Oh. Oh. Oh, you're going with disturbing. Going with a badass on that one, hey? That's Yeah. Hmm. Uh, That's some praying mantis type stuff. A lion's roar can carry up to eight kilometers. Yeah, I like that. That makes sense. See? See? They're intimidating badass offensive line. Yeah, it's it's a terrifying creature. 960, 960, name and location. Uh, your chance to win the VIP package to the Shaw Charity Classic worth three grand. 960, 960, name and location. There's no question. You can't win unless you put your name and location. What animal would make your best offensive line and why? 960, 960, name and location. We'll do that at 830. I'm going to build my offensive line of animals at the end of the show, too, that are all different. Okay. They're going to be positionally placed. But this is one animal that would make your offensive line. No, I'm going to do something for fun for myself later. Okay. Strictly for me. That's probably is only for you, but I'm sure we'll listen to it. (laughs) Madison Shipman on the Blue Jays next. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. At the top of the hour, we'll talk to Nick Kiprios, host of Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590, the fan, Stanley Cup champion. And at 8.30, uh, what an incredible prize we have. The Shaw Charity Classic VIP giveaway worth $3,000. Two honorary observer passes and two Rogers Clubhouse Skybox passes. We talked about it before the break. Uh, which animal, <laughs> Which animal makes the best offensive lineman? And why? 960-960, name and location. We'll open up the phone lines, too, at 830. And I'm not going to lie, Matty Rose, if you call in, you have a better chance to win. Oh, big time. This is one where, yeah. without a Especially doubt. Especially. Yeah, yeah. This uh, type. A hundred percent. This type of giveaway uh, definitely deserves that. Uh, but the Toronto Blue Jays did something they haven't done ever. Uh, lose one nothing, win one nothing. To talk about that in their series against Cleveland, which wraps up today, uh, Madison Shipman is a Blue Jays Sportsnet analyst and ESPN softball analyst. She joins us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Madison, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I am doing great. How are you guys? We're great. Madison, which animal would make the best offensive lineman, you think? <laughs> is, uh, so my mind goes immediately to a bear, like their ferociousness. Good one. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. There's something about it that I just went straight to, like a grizzly bear. Uh, that was uh, my co-host Matt's answer. I said the lion, Madison, just based on intimidation factor. Oh. <laughs> well, see, my, my brother played offensive line in college, and we always joked that he was a bear, so maybe that's why I go to the grizzly bear, too. So uh, we can of give course. my brother Billy a shout-out for that one. <laughs> uh, of course, right away, uh, you go to bear. Um, wanted to ask you, um, are we talking enough about the Blue Jays pitching here? Because we concentrate on all the negatives surrounding the team and who can hit and the offense is struggling. But, Madison, you look right now, you wake up this morning, the Blue Jays have the best team ERA in Major League Baseball. It's pretty incredible to watch uh, not just the starting rotation, but the bullpen work as well. And I just feel like the pitchers complement each other so well. And if you're opposing offense, you have to come up with a completely different game plan depending on who you're facing in the starting rotation. Look at what you say Kikuchi has done at this season. Totally thrived with the pitch clock. He's not thinking in between pitches. He's just going out there 
executing his stuff. He's throwing his fastball with really good velocity up in the zone. Then he's got a couple of different breaking balls that he's going to throw out there. And he's just been phenomenal. Jose Barrios is another one, too, that he really has four different pitches moving in four different directions. So a batter, you've got to go up there and try to look for one and hope that you get it within and at bat. And I love the bounce back that we saw from Kevin Gosman last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, back against the Orioles, didn't have his best stuff. Um, his fastball was missing out of the zone, didn't have quite the bite that we usually see on the splitter. But then last night, knowing that your team gave you one run in the first and you just had to do whatever you could to hold the Guardians down and then to go the as far as he did in that ball game and to continue to mix in even some different pitches. I know he's working on that sweeper. I just think you, you see a team that's or a pitching rotation that's working together and constantly learning from one another. And I love the story about Kevin Gosman, how he watched Chris Bassett's bullpens and said, you know what? I want to try to throw a sweeper. I want to try to throw a different look at these batters. So they're constantly learning throughout the season too. And it just seems like they're not worried about the offense, whether they score, whether they don't. They're just going out there doing their job and doing whatever they can to keep the game close enough to get the offense to get some runs on the board for them. If, if you're a Blue Jays fan, you have to be optimistic. If this team, in fact, does make the playoffs, we know it's tooth and nail right now to be a playoff team with so many teams breathing down their necks. But Madison, this is a World Series-type rotation and bullpen now, and that's something I don't think we've said in Toronto in I don't even know when, Madison. Yeah, I completely agree. And just the way I feel like the bullpen has been a strength really the entire season. And again, it's the way that they complement each other really well. I do think that John Schneider does a nice job of having a game plan of trying to work the matchups late in the game. And uh, he's, he's not afraid to deploy as many pitchers as he needs. And this is a rotation too, especially in the bullpen where you have a couple of guys that are injured. Jordan Romano's injured. Trevor Richards is injured. And yet you have other guys that have been able to step up in the bullpen and the way that Jay Jackson performed even on the the last road trip uh, against the Dodgers. And you've got Eric Swanson with that splitter that he gets a ton of swings and misses on. There's just so many guys that complement each other that are stepping up, uh, knowing that the offense maybe isn't producing as consistently as we probably expected at the beginning of the season. One of the things that we have seen lately is George Springer maybe rounding into form. He gets the home run that ends up getting them the victory. What have you made of uh, what have you made of the play we've seen from George Springer, specifically at the plate the last little bit? Yeah, it's not easy to bounce back as a hitter when you go through as long of a slump as George Springer did not too long ago. I will say that there were at bats, uh, especially in that series against the Angels, where I felt like he was just this close to breaking out of that slump. He had some really good at bats. He hit hard line drives out to the outfielders. It just happened to go straight to a defender. And as a hitter, there's not much you can do in that situation, but it's really easy to try harder to make something happen, to try harder to get a hit. But I thought that he did a good job of just focusing on his game plan, not trying to overswing when he stepped up to the plate. And that's why you're starting to see him getting back on track, getting back into his rhythm. That 13 pitch at bat yesterday was incredible. The entire time, I remember looking over to Jamie Campbell thinking, he is all over this pitcher right now. And he was fouling off pitches, taking close ones um, that were just outside of the strike zone, worked it to a full count, ended up hitting six straight foul balls and then finally got a fastball up in the zone, which is actually an area that he's had a lot of success so far this season. Gets a 92-mile-an-hour fastball up in the zone and just drills it over the left field wall. 
So it's really good to see him getting back on track. And you can just tell the joy and the confidence that he's starting to regain back up in the batter's box, even the way that he was joking uh, after some of those foul balls that he hit hard down towards that third base dugout last night. I love watching an at-bat that goes, you know, 10, 11 pitches, something like that. A good battle between a, a pitcher and a batter. What do you think is starting to go through George Springer's mind as he gets through that 10th pitch and that 11th pitch? Do you think he's still thinking <laughs> home run or just put this thing in play and see what can see, move on to the next type of thing? I really don't think home run ever crossed his mind. I'd yeah. imagine that it's just put the ball in play because when you get into those situations, especially in a 3-2 count, the last thing that you want to do in that battle is leave it up to the home plate umpire. You do not want to leave it up to chance. You don't want to take anything close. So you kind of, as a batter, go more into swing mode and more into protect mode, and you're fouling off these pitches that you know that you can't really get solid barrel on, hoping to rip them down the left field line or down the right field line to get something where the pitcher is going to miss a bit more over the plate. Because just as the batter is battling, the pitcher is out there battling as well. And they're trying to figure out, how can I get you out? But you just got the sense in that at-bat that there was no way George Springer was swinging and missing in that at-bat with as, as much as he was all over every pitch that Logan Allen tried to throw at him and ultimately ended up making that mistake at the top part of the zone and Springer just crushed it. Madison, how frustrating is it sometimes watching Vladimir Guerrero at the plate? he's so incredibly talented he is so strong and we actually talked about it a little bit last night he came up uh, in his second at bat first pitch sweeper and you could tell that he was looking for it because he's on time for that breaking ball and he smokes it off of the left field wall he comes up the next at bat and right before that at bat I had turned to Jamie Campbell and I said since he hit that sweeper so hard in the first, or in his last at-bat, I would come up this next at-bat looking for a fastball because obviously the pitcher is going to try to adjust, try to throw you something different since he hit that ball so hard in his previous at-bat. He got it on the first pitch, and it was pretty much right down the middle, but he was just a tad late, which tells me that maybe he wasn't necessarily looking for the fastball in that situation but ended up swinging at it anyway, and he grounds into a double play. But then he came up in his last at-bat, knowing that the pitcher probably going to try to throw him another fastball. New pitcher came into the ball game that threw with a little bit more velocity, throws him a 95, 96 mile an hour fastball that he's on time for. And he smokes to the right side. So last night, yes, we, he grounded into that double play, which of course everybody's going to remember that. But I did think that we saw him make pretty substantial adjustments from at bat to at bat and the at bats that he was successful. And of course, He's so talented. You want to say that it's easy for him to just make that adjustment every single time and go up there and hit a hit a bomb 450 feet every single time. But I still do take some positives from the at-bats that he had yesterday with just those swing adjustments and those timing adjustments that he was able to make on both the sweeper in his second at-bat and the fastball in his fourth at-bat last night. Have you noticed a little more frustration out of him body language-wise than maybe we've seen throughout his Major League Baseball career, maybe this year more than ever? Yeah, you can definitely tell, especially when he grounded into that double play, that that middle-middle fastball, I guarantee he knows that he just missed his pitch, that he could drive you know, 450 feet out to left field. And so immediately out of the box, you could tell there's that bit of frustration. And I do feel like when Vladdy's playing at his best, you're seeing – the uh, his 
complete personality shining, similar to what we were talking about with George Springer as well, because during that stretch for George Springer, you saw a lot of frustration. But when he started to work his way out of it, he was even joking about some of the hard outs that he was making uh, as straight to those outfielders. So I do think that you're seeing a bit of frustration from Vladdy, and understandably so. He knows that he's in there to, to hit the ball hard, and when you're not able to execute on a pitch that you know nine times out of ten, you can hit hard. It is frustrating as a batter, but I did like that we saw that drastic improvement from that ground ball double play to him hitting the fastball and his next at bat out to right field. Those are the little things where you can tell that he's able to flush whatever happened mentally in his last at bat and focus on the at bat at hand. What are your well, what's your opinion on David Schneider? who had a great weekend, then he has a tough game, then he sits down for one, then he comes back. It's a fine showing by all means. What have you made of the early returns on Davis Schneider as an MLB player? Well, first of all, fantastic mustache. The, the mustache is incredible. Of course. Uh, I just feel like it adds to the whole uh, Davis Schneider uh, personality that he brings out there. But one of the things that stood out to me, of course, you saw the results in Boston and you saw the home runs. But what I really was impressed with was how he handled his at-bats and how he was selective at the same time as he was aggressive at certain pitches in the zone. And he got hit on a variety of different pitches, different speeds. He sprayed the ball all over the field. And I do think you saw that pitch selection again last night. Ended up with uh, two walks in his first two at-bats. And so I think that because he is so selective, almost reminds you a little bit of Alejandro Kirk with the way that he's able to go up there and take a lot of pitches, really make the pitcher work. That's something that I think that he can continue to carry moving forward because you know you're going to get a quality at bat from him because he's not just going to go up there and start hacking out of the zone trying to force something to happen, but he's going to have a quality at bat. He's going to make the pitcher really work, throw a variety of different pitches and force the pitcher to bring the ball into the strike zone. And John Schneider said that that was something, you know, he, he was seeing the same Davis Schneider up here at the big leagues that he saw down in AAA. And to me, that's a great sign moving forward that he's not going to overcomplicate things up at the plate, especially, but he's just going to go out there and try to do his job, try to execute one pitch at a time. And so I was impressed with those walks that he took last night. Uh, it sounds like we're going to see a couple of arms added to the bullpen in the near future, maybe a week or two, as far as Jordan Romano and Chad Green goes. Once those two rejoin the, the bullpen, how do you see kind of the hierarchy going with the arms that they've added in Cabrera and Hicks and the guys that have already been here and been having really good years? Yeah, I would say that for John Schneider, I guess having too many good arms is probably a problem that you would want to have, but it doesn't make the decisions any easier. Uh, I know that Chad Green w was hit by, uh, it was a throw from Tyler Heineman back behind the plate. And so his call-up might end up getting pushed back even further because he's gone into concussion protocol. He ended up walking off the field on his own. But, of course, whenever a pitcher gets hit in the head by a throw, by a hit, you want to make sure that you're taking all precautions. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be really difficult for John Schneider to kind of pick and choose which pitchers that he wants to have in the bullpen. Again, a good problem to have. Uh, but, Jordan, you know, we got Jordan Hicks out there throwing the ball 100 miles an hour. It only took him, what, two pitches to do his job last night. At times he can be a bit wild, a little bit all over the place. Uh, but you've seen uh, the consistency from Jordan Romano throughout this season, too. And hopefully when he comes back after uh, his stint on the I.L., hopefully he's got that velocity back up. Nothing's bothering him. He's able to go out there 
and do what he's done uh, to get the amount of saves that he has so far this season. But it's going to be difficult. Uh, but on the plus side, you do have a variety uh, of different arms that you would imagine that at some point maybe you can try to even work even more of those matchups, whether it's a lefty, whether it's bringing in a, you know, a righty like Swanson or even like uh, Jay Jackson with that slider. So he's going to have to pick and choose who he wants to use. But, yes, it is a, a good problem to have, but not, a, not an easy decision for Schneider. Madison Shipman, Sportsnet Blue Jays analyst, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960, the fan. Well, we've been talking about the pitching, how fantastic it's been leading Major League Baseball and Team ERA, but Madison, why can't they beat the American League East? It just seems incredible that the pitching is so good, yet they struggle so much against their own division. <laughs> it is pretty crazy to, to think that even going into Boston uh, in the previous series that they had not won a game against the Red Sox all season long. Now, they changed that tune uh, in this past series, but it's pretty crazy to, to look at the numbers uh, against the AL East in particular. And I wish I could put my finger on just one thing of what it is when they're facing those AL East teams, but I'm not exactly sure what it is. It's pretty, uh, it's kind of an anomaly when it, when it comes to those things, and maybe there's a bit more of a familiarity factor with those teams going up against uh, that pitching rotation. But I, I do think that you're starting to see the team trend in the right direction. And I know I, I sound a, a little bit crazy saying that after the way that the offense hasn't been able to put up runs the past few games. But they have been going up against some really good rookie pitching. And when you're facing pitching that you haven't seen before, all you're going off of is the film and the analytics and the scouting reports that you're getting from other people. And so maybe that kind of went into them not having as much success against those rookies. And, and, and I think back to that first game where Gavin Williams was just electric. So 12 strikeouts. I mean, sometimes as a hitter, you just got to tip your cap when a pitcher is out there dealing the way that Williams was. But I do think that on the flip side, when you're facing pitching that you've seen several times before, and there is, again, that familiarity aspect to it, like the other teams in the AL East have going up against the Blue Jays, it can work to your advantage because you just have so many more looks against the pitching than you do maybe against rookies that are just being called up. Out of the Mariners, Red Sox, Yankees, and a lesser extent, the Angels, uh, which team should the Blue Jays fans be concerned about who are chasing them for a wild-card spot? You know what? I I think I'm going with the Mariners on that one. And uh, I I do think the Mariners should uh, give a little bit of credit to the Blue Jays because it seems like ever since that series out in Seattle where uh, pretty much the 70% of the fan base in Seattle were Blue Jays fans, it seems like that team is playing significantly better since that series than they were playing beforehand. Um, But they've got some good young pitching in that rotation, and they've got an offense too. They might strike out quite a bit but they do hit home runs and home runs uh, are the ultimate equalizer when it comes to that. If you can, I mean, we saw it again last night, George Springer hits the one home run of the ball game and that ultimately leads to a blue Jays win. So of those teams, the Mariners are definitely the team that I am uh, watching the closest out of those four. Madison Shipman, Sportsnet blue Jays analyst, Madison, terrific stuff. Thanks for this. Let's do it again soon. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. There she is in the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. Madison's with you, Maddie. Bear makes the best offensive lineman. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've got my whole O-line. i got my whole offense done if you want it. No, not yet. (laughs) 
And I I don't really know if I want it in general, but No no like, thank you though. Yeah. It's like, oh that's great work, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> great work. That's that's what you did today, huh? Um with all I'm your time, that's what you put together? Okay. I'm debating whether or not to play something that I saw this morning on Twitter. Oh. Why are um, you debating it? What because what is the debate? I don't on? really like giving airtime to this person. Oh. Hold on. Uh GVP, I just sent this to you. Via the email if you wanna roll if you wanna roll on it. Cause a um <laughs> The Henry Rugg sentence came down yesterday, and uh, it's that really terrible story. Just made a really stupid decision, driving uh, his Corvette 155 miles an hour while he was drunk, killing a 23-year-old woman and her dog. It was just terrible. Um, he received a uh, three to ten years uh, prison sentence. Just an awful, awful, awful story uh, all the way around. Um but there's a specific person who had to weigh in on the verdict. And it's probably the last person in the world who should weigh in on any type of verdict. Oh. oh Do you have it ready, um, GVP? Yeah, I got it here. All yeah. right, why don't you play a little bit of it? Okay. Hey, X-World, it's oh. me, yours truly. Now, I knew it was I know I went to college on a football scholarship. But somehow this map is not adding up to me. You're driving a car at roughly 160 miles an hour on a public street and end up killing a girl and her dog. And you get three to ten years. You go to a hotel room that you're invited to to retrieve your own personal stolen property property I now have because it was ruled to be mine by the state of California. And you get nine to thirty-three years. Uh, OJ, why don't you talk about murder? Same courthouse, same and, city, uh, same Ron state. Goldman. Okay, anyway, I'm, I'm done with OJ. Um, uh, there's somebody you want to hear weighing on the verdict. This is the one thing I wanted to quickly talk about. It's fantasy football season, and he does give fantasy football advice out. Oh, good. Is O.J. Simpson the last guy you want in your league? Because clearly you want to approve every single trade he sends your way. Otherwise, he'll probably murder you. Uh, that, you know, old Vladdy across the pond, he'd probably be high on my list. Um, mm. Yeah, there's a, a handful of people of the uh, he never want I, to be around and, and never want to think about list that I have. I just love, um, he just talks about his time uh, for armed robbery, whatever. Nothing to do with the murders yeah. of two people. That's, yeah. that's in the past. That was acquitted. Don't worry about that. Yeah, listen. That never happened. But listen, we have to examine this in a vacuum, George. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, so terrible. Every time I see him on there, I'm like, oh, boy. Ban him. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, straight ahead, Nick Hiprios and... Uh, your chance to win an incredible prize, really. VIP giveaway to the Shaw Charity Classic. We're $3,000. We're asking you, uh, which animal makes the best offensive lineman? 960, 960, name and location. We're also going to open up the phone lines at 830. 
take some phone calls. We'll do all of that next. Oh, and by the way, uh, the uh, the crown jewel of today's episode, intern Ben with a women's World Cup update. Oh, I thought you were going to we'll say all of that. My my NFL offense made out of animals. We'll do all of that next. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet nine sixty. The fan.